there, I clicked it on, and I could hear feedback right away, so I clicked it back off. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, very glad to be back again. Been gone two weeks. I was uh, at Soledad State Prison. Thank you very much for your prayers. That went very well two weeks ago, and then we went on vacation, Becky and I. That was a part of her retirement from uh, homeschooling. She did homeschool for 27 years. So I wanted to do something to have some kind of official retirement that you're done. Steve graduated from high school last year and so part of it was, I wanna to go to Disneyland. And um, Eric and Charlotte and Mark and Nancy got to go with us uh, the last couple days. And I forgot to point this out to you, but, uh, and it fits into what I'm talking about here. How about bearing testimony to people? But we, near the end of the last night, it was late, it was uh, before the fireworks, we were waiting. We went on the Casey Jr. train ride in Fantasyland. <laughs> now, we don't fit, big people don't fit, in, and, and Becky or someone said, let's get in the cage, you know, the animal cage one, and I'm going, no, I wanna sit where the adults sit. We all, five of us, Mark, Mark bailed out on us, <laughs> five of us got into this cage and, and as Eric said, we had to like, it was like packing a suitcase, one person at a time, and the first person in was the last person out. It was that tight. And I'm in the cage, and we're all having fun and goofing off, so I'm kind of shaking on the bars, and I do, I'm doing something crazy, and Eric goes rather loud. He says, did you do that when you were in prison? <laughs> now, we had cars of kids and parents on each side of us. Did you realize that? I did it on purpose. You were, it was that loud, and I thought, he didn't say, did you do that when you were visiting prisoners in prison? It's just that, did you do that when you were in prison? And I thought, oh, man. All, 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 you just, got quiet. <laughs> and all the parents grabbed their kids and kind of tucked them a little closer. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. They probably think I'm a convict now. Bearing witness, bearing testimony to someone. I mean, we're doing that all the time. We're doing that with our friends, with our family, with our church, with our nation. We do that with our, our Lord, Jesus Christ. What do people hear and see and feel when they interact with us, when they listen to us? What do they see in us? And... This idea of our message, our being Walnut Creek Friends Church, because we can't speak about any group bigger than ourselves. For Walnut Creek Friends, when we talk about our message, our testimony, we've tried to put Jesus Christ right at the center. He is the top. He is the first. He is, as he said, the Alpha and the Omega. That he's, he's the A and the Z. He's the beginning. He's the end and what's implied. And he's everything in between. He is the star of the show. He is the one everyone's supposed to see and pay attention to. That's not just true when we read the Bible. It's true when people, supposed to be true when people are around us. Now, I can't say that's always true when people are around me. I'm not always pointing to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not always a very good um, supporting actor in this story of life. Uh, Jesus is to be the star, the lead character, the one about whom the whole story is about. And all of us are supporting actors and actresses. 
And it, it's our job as supporting actors and actresses not to steal the show and get people to look at us because that means you're not a supporting actor and actress. It means you're trying to be the star. Um, we are supposed to be contributing in a way, speaking in a way, acting out our roles in a way where people look to the star. I like how you said it this morning just a moment ago about when things aren't going well and it seems difficult and someone else is having a trial and you say, well, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I believe it will because God cares. How do we know God cares? Because God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If we look at Jesus, we can know that God cares for us and the circumstances may not work out the way we'd like, but God is good and God is causing all things to work together for good and it's going to be okay somehow in the end. Jesus is going to show up in some way, some form, somehow, at some time. He's going to be on the scene and people are going to go, wow, look at that. If we play our roles right. Now, if we don't play our roles right, people will look at us or they'll look to the government or they'll look to science or they'll look to medicine or they'll look to doctors or they'll look to the educational system or they'll look to Satan. They'll look all over the place for what they need and what they feel should be most important. But we, Walnut Creek Friends, have decided Jesus is the star, not just of our church, but as a group, we're trying to help each other to live in ways where Jesus becomes the star of our show, of our lives. We do that individually, and we do that corporately. And, and over the last, gosh, almost six months now, we've been talking about our message that Jesus is, and we should all know this, Jesus is the you all see, oh, is it written in the, good, okay, it's right in there. So Jesus is... <laughs> unique and Jesus is absolutely essential and Jesus is all sufficient and Jesus is alive and present and rich well before we go to the next one, and rich has actually added another word to that I think when he gave the message on on that particular Sunday he's alive and he's present and he's active I think that's important for us to remember too because alive and present could mean a passive silent, inactive bystander just watching. But that's not what I meant when I originally meant alive and present. He's alive, present, active. The next one, he is love. He is Lord. He is the living word. And he is the Christ. And these eight statements about Jesus may not include everything about Jesus. I'm sure they don't but they are certainly good handles to help us individually and as a group to say when we live, when we speak, when we act, when we uh, work out our lives, when we plan, are we doing this in a way where people can see that Jesus is unique, that Jesus is absolutely essential, that Jesus is all these things, or some part of that. Not anything we do is going to be all eight, but... Are we bearing testimony individually and corporately to the star of the show who is Jesus Christ? And some people sometimes question whether Jesus really is supposed to be the star of the show. And it would be, oh, a word came to mind, superfluous. I learned that from Claymation watching with Eric years ago. <laughs> superfluous. Does anyone know what that is? Stuff you don't need. Stuff you don't, yeah. 
it would be superfluous to try and read all the verses in the Bible that say, here's the star of the show, the Messiah. That's what Messiah means, the anointed one. Here it is, the hero, the guy. Um, but Jesus himself, you know, he spoke in ways where he never, most religious teachers say, here's the truth, look over there, or go and follow that. Jesus was always talking in a different way. He kept saying, I am the truth, look at me, follow me. And there's some, some classic statements that are very well known that are recorded all in the Gospel of John. So John the Apostle actually was trying to emphasize this in his writing. In John 6, he's, Jesus is quoted as saying, I am the bread of life. We are all hungry, starving people who will die without food. And Jesus says, I am the bread that you need to live. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. I gave you eyes, you need to see, you live in a world of darkness, without me you can't see, I am the light that you need. Um, in John 10 he says, I am the door of the sheep. Now we don't relate to that one so much, but in that age sheep were a big deal in Israel and a lot of the economy was built on sheep and the whole idea of protecting sheep and keeping them safe and Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep, I am the way in. I am the way out. Everyone who comes through me will find pasture and find peace and be safe. Every other thing, every other way is a wrong way, Jesus would say. It's all through me. Uh, he says in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. We all face physical death, which is simply one of the many ways that we can experience death. We can experience death emotionally, mentally, uh, volitionally, relationally, environmentally, and Jesus says, look, sin is killing you, but I can make you alive. And I'm the only one who can make you alive. You can only experience life through me. I can resurrect you. In John 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In John 15, I am the true vine. All of the life comes through me. You are all branches. I am the vine. Cut the branch off from the vine, the branch dies. The, the vine stays alive when the branch gets cut off because the branch has the source of life. Jesus is the star. He is the centerpiece. He is the key. He is, I mean, we could think of a lot of words that would say, this is all about Jesus. This is supposed to be this life, this world, this creation, this universe, this my life is to be all about Jesus. How well I know him. How well I interact with him. How much I've become like him and will become more like him. This is all about Jesus. And these, again, eight statements about Jesus are just handles to help us kind of sort out all this massive information, this immense, wonderful God who squeezes himself into human form. You know, how are we going to manage all this wonderful truth that just pours out to us from God through Jesus? You know, some people talk about trying to get a drink of water from a fire hydrant. Well, Jesus is the fire hydrant and we're the thirsty people. How do we organize this? So we've kind of organized it a little. And not just organize these statements about Jesus, but to help each other grow in, well, what would it look like if Jesus is, in fact, this way? If this is true of Jesus, 
what would it look like to live in a way that would bear adequate and appropriate testimony to be a good witness for this truth about Jesus. And that's what the early Quakers did. The early Quakers became so aware of the living, active presence of Jesus in their personal lives and in their corporate church life that they saw patterns that were that resonated inwardly by, in the spirit that said, well, if this is true, then we ought to do it this way. Well, someone, I'm sure in committee meetings, said, well, nobody does it that way. All the other churches do it this way. But the Quakers said, yeah, but that might not be, it might be an okay way. It might even be a good way. Their question was, what would be the best way to display Jesus, these particular truths of Jesus. And they were bold, and they were radical, and they went to prison, they went to jail, they lost property. They were, you know, we talk about being persecuted as a Christian, and oftentimes we think about, yeah, like the Adhikaris being persecuted because they're Christians, but they're being persecuted by who? By non-Christians. They're being persecuted by Hindus and by Buddhists. They're being persecuted by non-Christians. Or the, in the, the Christians in the early church were persecuted by the pagans in Rome, and they were persecuted by the Jewish people. But when the, the Quakers were being persecuted, who were they being persecuted by? Other people who called themselves Christians. What? Yeah, sometimes they were killed. They were in prison. I, I cried at the end of the Journal of George Fox, which is a rather large book, uh, a, a modified biography of his life. And about a quarter of the way through, I realized, how did this guy's life end? And I quickly went to the end and saw how he died. And I found myself with tears in my eyes. How sad. You know, and he, he wasn't beheaded like um, some of the apostles were, others, and he wasn't burned at the stake. And or anything like that, but the, the, the pressure on his life from the government was such. He lived, I think, over a year confined in a jail cell, which was an old tower, a stone tower like in a castle, where part of the wall was missing and part of the roof was missing, and he lived in that, I think, for almost a year. And it said the rain came in from the side that it was open. Now, there were no flush toilets up there, no heat, no air conditioning. I mean, that's what he, he died at a young age because every day was just hard. Because he was trying to bear testimony for who he believed Jesus was. And he was trying to do it in the best possible way. There were five Quakers hung in the city of Boston in our country by the other Christians who didn't like what the Quakers were teaching. That will always be true. And I share that with you because we need to be aware of, always aware of what Jesus said. If you, the, the, he said, the, t the student is not greater than the teacher. If they persecute me, now what's implied here is, if you live like me, talk like me, they're going to persecute you. If the world treats me this way, the more you're like me, brace yourself. They're not going to like you either. Yeah, and blessed are those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake, for righteousness' sake, and for his sake. And so it, it ought not to be surprising that 
the message of Jesus and the person of Jesus at any time and in any place on the face of this planet, when he is allowed to be expressed and seen in his fullness, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be um, sometimes even violence. And so this, this, our message statement, when it's just in paper, when it's just words on paper, when it's ink on paper, eh, you know, that's no big deal. But when we try to live it out, that's when you run into the problems. That's when you run into the people who get in your face and say, you know, I've had people say that I'm not a Christian because I don't practice a bread and wine communion or that I'm not a Christian because I don't do baptism the way they do water baptism that I'm not a Christian because I don't follow their set of principles. And, and the number one thing I think the early Quakers were trying to display is that the Bible teaches that Jesus is so all-sufficient that it is knowing him personally, intimately, experientially, so that he changes your life. And, and that happens apart from special buildings called the church or temples. It happens apart from special ceremonies or special holidays. It happens apart from the Pope. And for us Protestants, it happens apart from someone we might call a pastor or a priest or the reverend. It happens apart from wearing certain clothing. It happens apart from candles and decorations and stained glass windows. It happens apart from holy water or from ordinary water. It happens apart from any of the earthly things that have grown up around Jesus. Again, many of those things can be very good and some of them even found in the Bible. But when they start to take the place of Jesus, the stepping stone has now become a stumbling block. And the early Quakers said, when a stepping stone becomes a stumbling block, then we take the stumbling block and we got to set it aside, at least for a while, a decade, a generation, 10 generations, whatever it is, so that people stop looking at this and start looking again at Jesus, the one that was supposed to be pointing to anyway. And again, it goes back to that picture of who is the star of your show? Who, who do you look to as the number one star in your life. By the way, it's not you. <laughs> it's, it's not you. You're not the star. You don't got it all. You can't do it. Your life should very clearly show you you can't solve all your problems. You can't fix everything. You can't conquer the grave by yourself. You can't stop time from advancing on and robbing your body of its strength. You can't, you can't do it. You need a savior. You need a star. You need a hero who comes on the scene on a white horse. And Jesus depicted that in, in the book of Revelation. And when we discover Jesus that way and live Jesus that way, we're going to find our soul satisfied. And people around us, some of them are going to go, wow. I like what I see in you. And then very quickly, as good supporting actors and actresses, we need to say, thank you, I appreciate that, but it's not me. It's Jesus. I am this way because of Jesus. And what you like is you see Jesus in me. 
There'll be some people who respond that way, and there'll be some other people who say, I don't like who, who you are. I don't like your honesty. I don't accept your sexual purity. I don't want to manage my business the way you seem to want to manage your business. I don't want to go that way. You can't be serious. You can't tell the truth all the time. You can't love your enemies. No, Steve, come on, get a grip on this. Everybody is not worth forgiving. You can't do, you cannot, you cannot not defend yourself physically. That's impossible. You're just going to get beat up. Your country's going to get overrun if you don't have an army and fight with bullets and, and planes and ships. It doesn't work in this world. Well, it never was the goal for us to do something that works in this world because this world is going to hell and is broken anyway. Will there be armies in the world? Sure. Will there be governments in this world? Yes, there has to be. Will there be police in this world? Absolutely, there has to be because sin rules this world. Brokenness rules this world. This is another kingdom. We are ambassadors from a heavenly kingdom. By the way, in that heavenly kingdom, there are no police. And there are no armies. And there's no fighter planes. And there's no government, really. It's just Jesus at the top, and everybody knows him. And there's no hospitals. And there's no all kinds of things in that. And we come representing him who is, has established. And that kingdom is just an expression of who he is. And we're to live in a way where we don't just say, oh, I live this way like the world does, but I want to tell you about this other world. No, Jesus says, I want you to tell them about this other world, but I want you to live as a citizen of that other world. And where these two kingdoms collide, he says, make sure you're still living by the rules and the principles of this kingdom, of this world. Because this is reality. All of that's being trashed. Is it possible that if you lay down your arms and your weapons and if we love our enemies that they're going to kill us? Yeah. By the way, if you don't lay down your arms and take up an M16 and try to shoot someone, they may kill you anyway too. So if effectiveness is the... If I will never be hurt by my enemy or I will never... Be, lose anything if I protect myself with violence and I'm guaranteed to always win with violence, may I say gently, think again. Since when is that true? Everybody, I love, uh, I used to watch um, Kung Fu. Do you remember that show? David Carradine. David Carradine. Kwai Chang Kane. Well, he never said that. He was very calm, very peaceful. He was, I think in that show, the reason why, one of the reasons why I love that show, and this was before I was a Christian, is I think in Kung Fu, the Christian life is more often displayed in that show than the churches I was attending at that time. And like you were saying, something of God in the theater was actually being communicated to me. I had never seen a Buddhist monk, and of course it was Hollywood Buddhist monk, and they were making money, but they were depicting a lifestyle that I didn't know any human being could live or would live, and he had the power to overcome his enemies just like Jesus, but he refused to do it. He would lay down his life. He would sacrifice. There were many episodes where he was willing to die, and I thought, I want to be like that. Something about that seems to work. 
for me anyway. He was laughed at. And will be laughed at. And I remember in one of the episodes, and it was a forgiveness episode, I took a lot of notes on this, just because I now own the whole series on DVD. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to watch Kung Fu, come to my house and we'll watch Kung Fu together. But there was a, uh, uh, a man whose um, a brother was killed, and his brother was married. So there's this man and his sister-in-law there, and, and he was killed wrongly and the whole episode is on revenge and he's going to go and it's it's they're going to have a duel and and of course Kwai Chan Kane is just there kind of as a spectator and the, everyone is angry except Kwai Chan Kane and and the duel is about to happen and the sister says aren't you going to watch my brother kill that man who killed my husband and he looked at her and said they both have guns <laughs> meaning what makes you so sure it's the other guy who's going to get killed. You see, the people who say that loving our enemies like Jesus loves our enemies and laying down our lives and laying down our weapons doesn't work, well, really, the other way doesn't work either. If work means I will never die and never lose a loved one and never have to suffer and never bleed. No, I think a lot of people bleed on both sides. I think I, I remember reading a lot of what the Founding Fathers wrote about the Revolutionary War, and of course they went into it very hesitantly, but they went in believing it was the only way and they had come to the end of their rope. I don't think they had, but they went into it believing they had, and they went into it and they fought, and then they saw the carnage over the years, and many of them wrote in their memoirs, this is the worst thing. I wish this had never happened. And the United States is built on using the world's form of self-protection as its um, way of sustaining itself. You know, our money says, in God we trust. No, no, we trust in M-16s and tanks and fighter planes and things like that. Now, I also want to say this about our testimonies for Jesus, and I was just talking about one there, about loving our enemies the way God loves all people. No one comes to Jesus already looking like him. Amen? Amen. We come to Jesus as sinners. We come to Jesus as selfish people, self-focused people. We come to Jesus as broken people, not healed people. We come to Jesus as ignorant. We come to Jesus blind. We come to Jesus fully immersed in the world's way of thinking and the world's way of living. And then we hear this wonderful music and we see this beautiful light and we smell this wonderful smell. We go, I want more of that. We find ourselves being drawn to Jesus into another kingdom. And at some point, his spirit comes and lives inside of us and starts to heal us and starts to re-educate us and starts to transform us and new things start to happen. And we go through this process of growth and inner transformation. I want to emphasize that because, because we all need to realize, like Aaron, you said earlier, we're on a journey. Even when we cross the line, that's the starting line, not the finish line. We're not done yet. I love, I'm so encouraged by the Apostle John in his book, 1 John, 
who is the, in his gospel, the, uh, the disciple that Jesus loved, who was maybe closest to Jesus, who was leaning on him, who says, it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him, because we shall finally get to see him just as he is. Well, we don't see him just as he is yet. We're still learning. We're in that process. We're on this journey. And so focusing on Jesus and looking at Jesus. Jesus is the teacher, yes, but he's also the lesson to be learned. He is the messenger, yes, but he's also the message. He is the journey, but he's also the destination. He is the whole show. He is the whole ball of wax. He is everything. I love how Paul says this in Colossians chapter... Um, one in his introduction. He does this in Ephesians 2, but in Colossians chapter 1, he um, points to Jesus and says some things about him that is just incredible. Starting with verse 13, it says, For he, now the he here is God the Father, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom, that is his son Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is the penalty of sins have been paid for. Redemption, the price has been paid. We have been forgiven of the penalty. And he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Star of the show, amen? For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I don't know how the Bible writers can say this as any more clearly. This is just all about who? It's all about Jesus about becoming like him, living the way he would live, that the incarnation that we celebrate on December 25th is actually happening over and over and over again every time a man, woman, or child puts their faith and trust in Jesus and receives him as Lord and Savior and says, I want to be like that guy. Take me and make me Lord. And we enter into this journey, this process of being rescued out of the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. So thoughts and values that we used to have that are common to this world, if you've been walking with Jesus, you've probably already been changed and transformed and you've left a lot of those behind, amen? Amen. And now you wonder why the world thinks that way. But you used to think that way. Well, brothers and sisters, that process is simply still going on. 
the way you think now, the way I think now, that is not in harmony and keeping with Jesus, Jesus is still saying, well, you're still thinking in this old dark kingdom way. Keep looking at me. Keep walking with me. Keep paying attention to me. Keep surrendering to me, and I will change those ways too. And when I'm done with you, you'll be like me. And when people look at you, they won't see you. They'll see me. And you'll be a great supporting actor or actress. I really think that's what Jesus means when he says those famous words, well done, good and faithful. Now, he uses the word servant. But if we use the movie theater world, it would sound like this, well done, good and supporting cast. You let them see me at great expense to yourself. Thank you. Good job. Because when they could see me, then they had opportunity to come to me too. Because if you attract people to yourself, I don't think you have any power to save them. So give up on that one. Find out how to live your day-to-day -day life and our corporate church life and your family life in a way that causes people to look to Jesus and say, wow, I want him. I want more of that. Carrie, maybe you could help me here. I want to give us some time to think about... Eric, I'll let you do this side. There's a handout here, and I want you to kind of think through it right now. We have a few minutes of meditation. There's some directions on it. What I've done is I've, I've put the eight statements about Jesus, our message, on this page. And under each one, some statements, and these are statements in our little booklet, um, an inter uh, introduction to Walnut Creek Friends. It's in our teaching on this. They are some generalized, common behaviors or attitudes that would logically come out of the uh, statement about Jesus under which it's listed. And since we're all on a journey, since none of us, not even myself, are there yet, there are probably ways in which we know Jesus and have experienced him very well, and we're so convinced about this truth about Jesus that it's very easy for us to naturally live out a testimony that points to Jesus. But then there may be either other aspects of Jesus or maybe certain behaviors that would match that truth of Jesus uh, that we're not yet there yet. We're on a journey. We're, just, we're not, it's, it's okay. You're not there yet. We're on a journey. It's okay. So if you disagree with some of these, that's fine. Just keep focusing on Jesus. Just keep moving towards Jesus. We'll see what happens. So the one, I think it says, under each of these eight statements, the one that you feel that you do really, really well, underline that one. Give yourself some encouragement. Let Jesus say to you, you're doing a good job. Thank you. But if any of these or uh, one of these sticks out to you is, I'm not there yet. I'm not even sure this is a way I can live, or I'm not even sure it's a way I want to live. Um, mark that circle. Just fill in that circle, just one, uh, maybe under each one or however you want to do it, 
And then let's just spend some time in quiet prayer. Just asking to see Jesus. Just asking for him to change you. Just surrendering your life to him so that he can do in your life what he wants to do. Let him know that you want to be the best supporting actor or actress and he the star in your life. I'm going to give you about five minutes to do that.
I don't know when this last song was written. It just says public domain, which could mean it's very, very old. It sounds old. It sounds like